Welcome to the Infrastructure Show. I'm your host, Professor Joseph Schofer of Northwestern University. The Infrastructure Show is designed to present to listeners the reality of America's infrastructure, its condition, why it is the way it is, and what can be done about it. We gratefully acknowledge contributions to sustain the Infrastructure Show from Dr. Robert Peskin, Dr. Raymond Ellis, and Andrea and Ron DeFeo. There is growing interest in the using timber in building construction. Applications are advancing to larger and taller structures, and we're learning new ways to work with an old material. To understand the motivations and the challenges working with wood, we're talking with Eric Long, who's structural engineering partner at Skidmore Owings in Maryland, San Francisco, where he leads the firm's West Coast structural engineering practice. His broad expertise includes seismic design of tall towers, museums, embassies, retrofits, and works of art. Eric's a graduate of the University of Illinois. Eric, we're very happy to be on the line with you this morning. Pleasure, Joe. Thanks for having me. So these new mass t- uh, timber buildings are not what I'm used to seeing as stick-built houses. How are they different? Yeah, this this revelation and in, in, uh, going into mass timber now is very different than what you what most people might normally think of as, as wood construction. And the word mass uh, before the word timber there is the key component, um, or some people call it even heavy timber. And uh, it's really grouping uh, timber members together into a, a larger piece that is uh, more significant for longer spans, uh, greater strength, and even greater fire resistance. So how do you do that grouping? Well, the grouping is, is made up in a factory um, and glued together. So individual boards are glued together into uh, what we call glue laminated timber uh, to form beams, columns, and now uh, even into what's called cross-laminated timber uh, panels, which could be used for floors or even walls. So are these parts that you order out of a catalog, or do you specify them as the designer? Uh, not really catalog per se, but there are standard sizes that factories are set up to produce. And so there is uh, what might say industry standard sizes that we can select from uh, as engineers and designers to pick the appropriate size for the application. And what about the other properties? In particular, I'm interested in, in the strength and how does it compare to what we might call more traditional uh, building materials like steel or reinforced concrete? Yeah, well, naturally, timber is probably going to, for the exact same size beam, a timber beam might be less uh, strong uh, than steel beam, for example. Um, But it's also much lighter and has uh, very different properties in terms of uh, its carbon footprint, for sure. Uh, What about the the modulus? What about the, how does it deal with with bending and and shear forces? You know, timber is... is, um, is nice in that way in that it uh, it is its strength to weight ratio is is straight is great. Um, so for um, you know its modulus is going to be less than steel, of course, um, but but the amount of strength you get for the volume and uh, uh, you know its weight is 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 great compared to steel or or even concrete. And so when you're doing a design of a new building. How do you make that decision about material? Does your client come in the door and say, well, I want a mass timber building, or is it something that you might present back to a client who's interested in a building in general? Yeah, most clients are interested in buildings in general. 
um, they have a particular program need and a site and, and, and want to construct a, you know, a building that suits their needs. And there, more and more clients are open to timber and asking about timber, but not just directly saying it shall be a timber building necessarily. And we do that analysis for them to say, hey, here's a concrete design. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it feels like. Here's how much material might be involved. And the same thing for a steel and a timber building. And we can compare, you know, the total amount of material required, its projected cost, and its embodied carbon, and let the owners and and designers together make decisions of which way we want to go. Does the choice of mass timber affect the architectural side of the building, that that is the the look of the building, the shape of the building? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the architectural character of a building uh, in timber is, is going to be very different than a steel or a concrete building. So that needs to be taken into consideration, too. You know, not just uh, first cost, but for an owner, what does the building look like? What does the building feel like? How are there occupants of this building going to uh, react to that building? How are they going to feel? How are they going to be um, do they want to, it's a residential, you know, building, for example, and you say, well, you know, do I, am I able to attract, uh, you know, more people to buy a unit or rent a unit out of this building if it's, if it's mass timber? And, and usually the answer to that is yes. So what, what's the appeal? The appeal is, uh, is really the warmth and the character that you, that you feel from the exposed timber surfaces, you know, in the, in, in many buildings, we can uh, take the CLT floors and, and and expose them as the ceiling. We don't need to add another drywall ceiling, you know, a regular white ceiling there. They have a, a wood surface that uh, radiates warmth uh, in terms of its look and its feel, and and, and you just feel different in the space, and, and that's what uh, is so attractive to it. Uh, what about fire protection? So fire protection is a is an interesting topic in this field, and there's extensive research and testing that has been done and, and continues to be done uh, to look at the, how this mass timber performs. And the interesting thing, uh, the way it performs in a fire, is that uh, since it is so thick, the entire section of the wood or the through through thickness of the wood doesn't all burn at the same time. Only the outside surface, which is exposed to the fire, is what initially burns and it chars. Just like a log in your fireplace, right? That big log, it takes a while to burn through and, and first the outside and burns and it forms a char layer. And that char layer actually acts as insulation to the inner core of the timber. So for fire design, we size those members to account for that charring of that outside layer becoming insulation, how much wood do we have left on the inside that can still stand up and hold the building, allowing the people and occupants to safely have time to, to exit the building. And my understanding, and it's been a long time since I studied this, is that the real issue in fire protection is protecting lives and getting people out of the building. That is, uh, the, the, the design for fire protection is not to prevent the building from suffering any damage. That's correct. It's and it usually is in an hourly rating. So is your structure and, and building for a one-hour rating or two-hour rating? And that is exactly that. How many hours or how much time do we allow for uh, that safe 
exiting of, of the building and, and making sure you don't have any collapse uh, within that time frame. So if I compare it to, to a steel structure, my understanding is that if you build a steel structure, typically the fire codes require that you coat that, but it sounds like you're not coating the uh, mass timber. That's correct. We are not coating the mass timber. And, and you're right. In a steel building, you would have to coat the steel to provide that same, let's say, one-hour rating or two-hour rating. And, um, but in timber, we, we don't coat it, and we allow that natural char uh, at the perimeter to act as that insulation protecting the inner core. What about seismic uh, protection? No, seismic um, in timber is, is an area of research. Uh, that is currently going on. In fact, uh, there's some testing right now at a shake table at University of California, San Diego, that's, that's ongoing. Um, but the benefits of timber in seismic is its mass. It is very light compared to a concrete or steel building. And so mass and weight is, is kind of the enemy of, of seismic, right? The more weight a building has and you subject it to a, a seismic event, the more force it has laterally. And so the natural lightness of the timber uh, just reduces the amount of seismic force uh, in a building, which we can take advantage of. And is there an advantage in terms of constructability? It sounds to me like you're getting a lot of factory-made components that come to the job site. Does it go up faster? It goes up a lot faster. And uh, you're right. It is all prefabricated in a factory its tolerances and precision of its dimensions is is very precise, much more precise than the concrete or the steel industry, um, and it goes together, uh, you know, just just like a kit of parts, uh, all you know, coming off the truck and crane picks it up, drops it in with uh, also connections that are also prefabricated, and it's kind of like a plug and play and, and a very fast direction. So presumably that saves money if you can build faster. It absolutely does. You know, when we were comparing those, you know, a concrete building to a steel building to a timber building, uh, it's not just the amount of material uh, and its cost, but it's also the time to construct and how can you save money on the on, on general conditions and just overall construction duration. So in, in your own practice, are you finding that the proportion of buildings that you're designing that are in mass timber is increasing? I would say so for sure. And I think not just us, but I think the industry in general, uh, seeing a boom in this mass timber uh, buildings and as more get built and more clients and contractors become familiar, you know, with the technology and it's just even going to continue to grow more. So and you remind me of something that at the job site, you're going to be seeing a different cast of characters. That is, the concrete workers are going to have less of a presence there than uh, people that are lifting and, and connecting. That's right. It, it, the carpenters uh, out there that are maybe used to building formwork for concrete buildings are now uh, you know, working uh, with, with timber in a different way to, to use it as the primary building. Material. Is there a learning issue there? Do they have to learn new skills? They do, um, and the, the Carpenters' Union and the trades uh, recognize that. And there's, uh, I think, the Woodworks and others uh, that are promoting the timber are offering classes and instructions to, you know, the contractors' unions, carpenters' unions to, to educate them and say, this is, you know, these are the types of screws. This is how we, 
you know, types of fasteners. This is how we pick it with a crane and, and rig it and all the issues that, that uh, the contractors need to be familiar with. And are, are you facing the same kind of learning as, as a structural engineer and, and dealing with new materials? Sure. Just like any new material, uh, all of us involved in, in the building operation from architecture to engineering to, to con- contractors and even building owners and, and maintenance and things, we all need to, uh, you know, make sure we're educated and know the issues to resolve in design and construction. And are the, are the vendors uh, keeping up in terms of not, not only the, the wood components, but the, um, the, uh, the steel connectors, the, the bolts and the screws? That, absolutely. What typically in the timber industry, a lot of the fasteners and hardware initially is coming from Europe, Germany in particular, for special screws. The typical vendors that we might be familiar with here in the States you know, are producing the similar screws that can be used for this mass timber industry. So I want to loop back to one other property, and that's creep. Creep is a characteristic, as I understand it, of concrete, and I think also of wood. It is, yes. Timber does have some natural creep to it, and creep is when, uh, as as we know, that when a material is in compression, uh, that it continues to compress over time. Um, and in concrete building, um, that might be true for a column or a wall and compression and the amount of creep and kind of uh, compression of, of those column elements. Uh, in timber, similar uh, phenomenon occurs. Okay, but not a problem for long uh, longevity of the building? No, not, not in any way that we can't uh, accommodate for and deal with. So I understand you're working on the San Mateo County office building number three in Redwood City. What can you tell, tell us about that building and how is it different structurally than a steel or concrete building? Yeah, so we that building is, as you mentioned, is under construction right now. It's about uh, to finish uh, towards the end of the year, maybe early next year, right around the calendar year. And uh, that building is a, is a county office building for the county of San Mateo. Um, you know, and they they initially came to us with an idea of we want an iconic civic building for the county, um, but also one that represents the issues of sustainability and in the environment uh, that affect our county. San Mateo County had uh, forest fires uh, over the last few years here in California. Uh, I was also right next to San Francisco Bay and the issues of sea level rise and uh, flooding also occur and and say, how can this building represent uh, the issues of the county and the people of the county? And so um, it didn't have to be a timber building, but the the county was interested in this, you know, carbon and uh, environmental statement and so we looked at concrete, steel, and timber, as I described before, and uh, we we were able to get timber into uh, into the budget, um, and it was maybe a little bit more, maybe 1% to 2% more in terms of, of first cost, but those issues of uh, saving time in construction that we talked about, um, uh, exposing the ceiling uh, timber, you know, to to the occupants and saving the cost of the ceiling. When you figure out all these other issues, um, then the building uh, penciled out, and we decided to go with the timber building. So, and I understand it's a it's a, a net zero um, energy building. That's right. It's also a net zero energy, and uh, another you know 
statement towards uh, being stewards of our environment and how can we design uh, the building that way. You know, it's interesting in that design brief for that, and we say, okay, well, how to get to net zero, how much energy can this site produce? Uh, even if we load up, let's say, the entire roof with PV arrays, the parking garage immediately next door that's associated with the site, put if PVs were all on that roof, and and every type of power generation we can we can come up with, say what is the what is the amount of energy that we can produce for this site, and then how do we design a building that consumes less energy than that? And that was the starting point, and gets into everything about. Uh, aspect ratio of the building, allowing for natural ventilation and daylight to reduce uh, heating and cooling loads and lighting loads uh, to, to every single component of the building to try to, to keep it below that energy threshold. And so what's the tie-in between the net zero objective and mass timber? Did the energy requirement affect the way you um, use that material? Not directly. Uh, that's a good question. And uh, and. They're, they're linked naturally through just the overall building's carbon, right? Just the overall carbon, both the embodied carbon that the, the building consumes with its construction. And, of course, the timber is, is, is lower embodied carbon there. And then the ener- net zero energy reducing the operational carbon as it takes. So they're, they're linked through the overall holistic carbon story of the building, but not directly linked in terms of I'm going to choose one species of wood or another, uh, you know, as it relates to energy. Ah, okay. I see. Uh, and that building is almost completed? That's right. We're, we're expecting completion uh, towards the end of this year. Okay. So overall, what's your take on the future of mass timber in, in buildings? Where's the, the market going? And are there, for example, height limitations for the, the material that might affect the nature of, of um, its, its application. Yeah, we really think that the timber has, uh, has made great strides in the industry and can continue to, uh, to go in that direction and grow. Um, there are currently height limitations. Uh, the new building code that just came out, uh, International Building Code, has allowed higher uh, us to build higher than we were previously, all the way up to 18 stories right now. Um, and that might be continued to be modified in the future as we, as we go forth with more, uh, more understanding and more testing uh, and, and more creative design. And, and, and from your perspective, is the material really sustainable? Are we, are we going to be able to meet the need? Yeah, that's a good question and, and one that you see a lot of news and, and uh, discussion about. Um, and, and that is, is it a sustainable material? Are we harvesting, if we grow this industry too much, are we going to be harvesting too much timber out of our forests? And um, is that really uh, sustainable in, in the end? And the answer to that is with carefully managed forests and sourcing your woods appropriately. Um, where, do we, where are we getting this timber from? Uh, is it being replanted? Is it being uh, forest these forests that are coming from, are they being properly managed? And if we do all of that homework and, and, and the right sourcing in the right, uh, in, in the right way, absolutely a great sustainable story. It, really interesting story. And my sense is, is that 
It's it's a new, very new uses of of what is a one of the oldest building materials. Eric, I really appreciate your spending the time with us, giving this education. I look forward to following your your work in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Okay, right. Bye. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the Infrastructure Show. If you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did, please subscribe to our podcasts and encourage your friends to join us too. The Infrastructure Show is recorded at the Studio Media Recording Company in Evanston, Illinois, under the direction of Scott Steinman, recording engineer with a commitment to great sound. Our producer is Marion Sowers, a journalist with a passion for infrastructure. And I am Professor Joseph Schofer. Few people are more curious about infrastructure than I. <laughs>